Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to Rob Kendall. When we talk about sending money somewhere, Mm -hmm. we're talking about printing the money because we have no money. And Casey Daniels. My government would never lie to me, would they? On 93 WIPC. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here, and let's go. It's Hot Take Central. Let's go to the (laughs) WIBC hotline. You know him from the Tony Kennett cast, which airs weeknights here, 7 p.m. on WIBC, the great Tony Kennett. All right, Kennett, you had an interesting uh, thread, I guess they're called now, on Twitter last night. Of course, the Republicans losing that seat formerly held by George Santos, and you weren't surprised at all that the Republican went down in that special election. What say you? Uh, first of all, it's a Democrat area. I'm not I'm not surprised in the slightest. Number two, whenever you have someone, well, let's pick a random candidate. Let's say uh, Jefferson Shreve, who comes out and betrays his voter base um, and they do something really stupid or they say something really stupid or they're accused of fraud or whatever. There, there's some kind of something they do and which is really embarrassing. Moderate voters, the average voter does not come out to vote. The base will always come out and vote, but moderates don't. And in this era of politics, it is the moderates, the people who are your average voters who are needed to win elections. I don't like it. You don't like it. But that's just the way that it is. So therefore, in this special election, you had Santos who disgraced the party because no one thought, hmm, maybe we should kind of, you know, background check this guy. There's a certain guy in Indiana politics who currently has the same issue, but we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. So all of those things given. DeSantos, or DeSantos, excuse me, Santos really just kind of screwed over his own party. And so looking at this election, there was no chance that moderates were going to come out and really support the Republican Party in NYO3 after this incredible blunder. Biden has the same problem going into the general, by the way. The moderate Democrats aren't going to come out and vote for him. So that's why the liberals are really panicking. They don't care that people think Biden has dementia. They just know your average American's not going to come out and vote for what's been a blunder the last four years. Tony Kinnett, not that I disagree with you, but do you think it has anything to do with the fact that the Republicans ran someone as smart as a tomato? Nope, I don't. Uh, I, I honestly don't. I don't think that's that's really the core issue there, because, again, the base still came out. Uh, the real problem is that Republicans are still running like it's 1992. And I've said this before. I've called it the Gingrich model. It's that we don't believe in mail-in voting. We don't believe in early voting. We don't believe in uh, ballot harvesting. We're going to get out there and we're going to knock on some doors like it's 1956. And I'm going to say, hey, you going to come vote for me on Election Day? And the person looks at you and says, I'll think about it. And then you leave and you write on your little clipboard and you think that's problem solved. And then Election Day comes and, man, these Democrats have all these ballots that they got to mail in. Yeah, because they are campaigning like it's 2024 and we're campaigning like it's 92. Well, so that's just the truth. Well, Tony Kennett is our guest. And so, OK, how much of this, too, is, though, the what does the Republican Party even stand for anymore? I mean, what compelling reason is there to show up and vote for a rank-and-file Republican? 
Well, the Republican Party doesn't actually have a set standard of principles, just like the Democrat Party isn't supposed to have a set standard of principles. They're both vehicles for getting people elected. So a Democrat in New York is very different than a Democrat in Nebraska in the same way that a Republican in New York is very different than what should be a Republican in New Albany, Indiana. The, the problem is, is that there are supposed to be a series of things that Republicans agree is in the best interest of the country. And these would be maybe more conservative principles, more libertarian principles based on the region. The issue is that Republicans are so beheld to either glory days of the post-Cold War, like the establishment neocon voter, or the populist Trump surge of 2016, that they don't look at real issues in the area, what you would call those rank and file principles actually to get elected. So you end up getting these very bland, almost AI generated campaigns that do absolutely nothing. Uh, Tony Kinnett, our guest, you can hear him. Tony Kinnett cast weeknight, seven o'clock here on WIBC. All right. So Duke of Spendingburg, our old amigo, Todd Young, he uh, once again uh, took a giant pair of scissors and started stabbing uh, conservatives in the back <laughs> like he does on a regular basis. He voted to uh, send all the money to the Ukraine and the Taiwan and the, the mm-hmm. Israel. And uh, he, well, he took a giant middle finger in the face of the American people when it came to the border. Uh, I We never miss an opportunity to give intellectual mega giants like you, Tony Kennett, an opportunity to observe on Todd Young. The floor is yours. Oh, don't forget the $4 billion to Hamas. You almost <laughs> forgot one of the most egregious portions of that spending bill is that it's $4 billion in uh, civilian aid to the people of the Gaza Strip. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hamas has openly stolen every single dollar, penny, and crumb of food that's gone into the Gaza Strip. Uh, the people of Gaza say that openly on Al Jazeera and, uh, and other uh, Hamas-friendly networks. So there's, there's that small detail. As far as Todd and the other neocons in the Senate are concerned, though, I, my issue is less with the fact that they are spending money on foreign aid and more with the fact that they don't even know what they're spending it for. Yeah, you're great well, we want to give $60 billion to Ukraine. Okay, why? For what purpose? And they say, well, to resist Russia. Okay, <laughs> I agree. That's, that's a good goal. But what do you mean? Like, we talked about this on the show last night. Is it to help Ukraine take back the Donbass and Crimea? That ain't happening. Is it to start ceasefire and peace negotiation? What is the money for? Mm-hmm. No one can tell you. Mm-hmm. And as long as that is the case, I'm against foreign aid. I like foreign aid when it advances my interests as an American. I'm the taxpayer. I'm the citizen. I selfishly want the world to bend to the United States foreign policy interests. And when money is not spent with that goal in mind, and it's just these very vague post-Cold War ideas, John McCainian ideas of sunshine and roses on the global stage, that doesn't mean anything to me because – it, it, it's it's like a math word problem. It means nothing. Help us here, though, Tony, because I've struggled with this for like eight years now that I've been at this radio station, which is we told everybody in 2022, if you vote for this guy being Todd Young, this is what he will do, and he will actually spend more than the Democrat. And so many people said, well... I can't have a Democrat in there. I can't dispute anything you're telling me about his actual voting record, but I can't have a Democrat in there. Then they vote for him. Then he does all the things, and then we get floods of calls and messages and uh, the thing in the YouTube chat of people, I'm done with him. How do we get him out of there? You can't get him out of there until 2028. How do we stop this thing before it starts in future elections? Because nobody seems to want to do the thing, which is you can't just vote for a person because they have an R next to their name. 
well, the, the how do we stop something like this in the future is, is much different than the, than the 2022 situation because we already knew these things about Todd Young. And I said this with you before, is that, again, my issue is not that he spends money, although, again, I don't like that he spends money. But if we're talking about the annual budget of the United States, which is about $7 trillion, $100 billion is not the be-all, end-all of the world. But – but the problem is Todd Young doesn't even know what he's spending it on and spending it for. That's the issue. The issue is that Todd Young can't articulate anything, yet he walks around acting like he knows everything. And that's what he should have been pushed back on. But there were very few people, especially in the Indiana Republican Party, willing to do so, because I'm going to tell you a secret, Rob. A lot of people in the Indiana Republican Party haven't read a book since their freshman year of their political science major. <laughs> Tony Kennedy. So then they get up in front of you and they tell you everything's all very important. They know what's going on. They can't even tell you how many counties there are in the state of Indiana. Do you have an issue that it's going to be borrowed money and that it's going into 2025, which will pretty much affect the next president, whoever that may be? I have a huge issue with that because there's an impeachment clause tacked onto it. Right. If let's say a, a president next term, well, let's call him President Trump. If he were to <laughs> next term say, you know what, we're not giving any more money to Ukraine. We don't know where it's going. Again, I will say we don't know where it is going. We don't know what it is being used for. If he tries to cancel it or change it, that could be considered an impeachable offense because of how this bill is written. Hey, before I let you go, you have a huge issue with the Indiana ACLU. What's that? Uh, well, I mean, the Indiana ACLU is is running around uh, trying to freak everyone out over fascism and all other kinds of horror and scary and whatever because uh, Republicans are passing a bill that links biology to the driver's license. Um, so, you know, you can't say that you're a uh, four-legged purple horse on your driver's license. So in case EMTs need to revive you, they don't give you purple horse drugs and they give you, oh, you're a female drugs. Could save your life. Makes sense. ACLU is upset about it. Why? Well, see, that hurts people's feelings. I mean, their feelings were already hurt because of mental instability. But see, what they really need is for you to affirm their bad life decisions so that then they feel better about the bad life decisions mm -hmm. that they made. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that, if you could explain it to me, because I, I still don't get it. What is coming up tonight on the award-winning Tony Kennett cast, 7 o'clock WIBC? Uh, we're going to be breaking down all of the goofy, nonsensical dorkiness that comes when public institutions like Indianapolis Public Schools spend taxpayer money on public radio stations to advertise them needing more money. Tony Kittacast <laughs> tonight, 7 o'clock, WIBC. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tony. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. <laughs> Good morning. It is 18 minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Monday night, you may have missed it. Jon Stewart made his comeback on The Daily Show, and it drew some big audience. It was his uh, what his comeback after nine years of being away. Trevor, Trevor Noah had been filling in, and uh, he was averaging about 385,000 viewers, and uh, Jon Stewart, with that comeback on The Daily Show, had well over a million. 1.9 total. Now, is he back, 1. 9 is million. He back permanently? Or? It seems to be, but it's only going to be a weekly thing, not every night. So he's so he's not back. Like he's not the full time host of the Daily Show again. It's his election coverage. So it maybe it, like he'll be there once a week until the election. Okay, is so, my understanding of this. So, okay, so how long? I guess the I guess the question would be. 
why? Because typically once somebody kind of, they, you know, they exceed, right? So Colbert, you know, Stewart did Daily Show, mm-hmm. then went to start making, he was in movies and et cetera. And then that kind of flamed out because he's not actually all that funny or talented. And and then Colbert kind of the same thing. And he's gone to late night TV and those ratings are in the toilet because he's not all that funny or talented. So is Stewart kind of like admitting defeat by, I mean, you're going by back. By coming to, back? You're going to late night I mean, I guess cable and broadcast are kind of the same now because everybody's got whatever they want to get. But it does kind of seem like a step down, doesn't it? Um, Well, wasn't he doing a bunch of YouTube stuff during COVID, like from his family room? Well, but this this is the point, right? Is like, is it I guess that would be my question is, is it really a step down? Because we live in a world now where, like we said, hey, Sylvester Stallone and Kevin Costner have two of the top shows Mm -hmm. people are consuming and neither of them are on television period right they're on well i guess they're on paramount but they're 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 streaming based uh, for many people so the world is so nutty now that uh, the more that i've thought through this in my own head as i'm doing this segment maybe it isn't a step down maybe for him it's like i was really good at this and i really haven't been all that successful outside of that right you need to go back home to what he's comfortable doing and if i can do it once a week then people won't get tired of me and you know, maybe it'll, maybe he'll find some, some semblance of homecoming. I've, be, ne- I've never thought, have you ever thought he was, I've never found him to be funny. Well, I used to think he was funny and then he got really, really left. And then with this debut of his election coverage, he was roasting both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It'll be interesting to see uh, if he can retain the viewers that he had on this debut return. And definitely it's a, a nail in the coffin of uh, Trevor Noah because he more than doubled the viewers. But here it is. You've got Jon Stewart back with The Daily Show. It's another voice in the big, you know, bowl of soup that we have for all of this. But here he is um, doing a wellness check on both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. We have two candidates who are chronologically outside the norm of anyone who has run uh, for the presidency in this country, in the history of this country. They are the oldest people ever to run for president, breaking by only four years the record that they set! (laughs) The last time they ran, they are at the age, they are objectively old, they're at the age, age-related milestones to hit. They got the ARP card. They've got Social Security. They've got their movie discounts. There is no, oh, wait till you hit 88, you get to drink and drive. No! The only thing left to them is a Today Show Smuckers shout-out. He went on and made fun of himself and was showing pictures of how he has aged over the years because it's been 20 years since he first started. His, he's now graying and looking older and... It was uh, it was interesting to hear him say, hey, you know what? I'm even older, but we're all too old to be doing this. He uh, he went on and he said that the work doesn't end after the election. That's when the work actually continues. The next nine months or so, and maybe more than that, depending on the coup schedule, (laughs) they're going to suck. You're going to be getting emails with insane subject lines like. Hello, John, it's Chuck Schumer. (laughs) Donald Trump is right behind you with a knife. (laughs) 
Don't aim. You're going to get inundated with robocalls and push polls and real polls, and people are going to tell you to rock the vote and be the vote and vote the vote and the vote. And it's all going to make you feel like Tuesday, November 5th is the only day that matters. And that day does matter. But man, November 6th ain't nothing to sneeze at or November 7th. If your guy loses, bad things might happen, but the country is not over. And if your guy wins, the country is in no way saved. I've learned one thing over these last nine years, and I was glib at best and probably dismissive at worst about this. The work of making this world resemble one that you would prefer to live in is a lunch pail job, day in and day out, where thousands of committed, anonymous, smart, and dedicated people bang on closed doors and pick up those that are fallen and grind away on issues till they get a positive result, and even then have to stay on to make sure that result holds. Well, isn't that it? It's the execution that's actually the real work, not winning the election? Yeah, and we did want to let everybody know, apparently we had a freeze on our YouTube uh, feed. It is back up now, and everyone can see us, so if you got locked out, you can go back in. We are there. We are back. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so my question, though, Casey, because we are we are the... I am, I guess I would say, the worst person to ask about this because I've lived in this world for the better part of, you know, what, 13, 14 years now. Do people get exhausted with politics? Because this is like how I earn my living. This mm -hmm. is what I do. So to me, it's like I enjoy the topsy-turvy roller coaster world. I enjoy stupid ads. I enjoy mm -hmm. polls. I do do pre this did you get exhausted with politics were you a person who come election day were like oh my gosh i'm so glad it's over thank you i think there's definitely election fatigue among people for sure you get sick of seeing the ads there are certain elements of uh politics that oh i'm just so done with this let's just move on especially when there's um court hearings and there's trials and they're pulling witnesses and it's that's all you see you yeah you get you get fatigued from that and you're ready to move on and he's saying you can't because that's when actually the real work begins uh do we have any good voicemails today we've got a couple good voicemails oh, for sure uh somebody that. actually is wants to introduce a, a new segment to the show oh boy that we'll uh we'll see if we're we, all on we, board we, with. we love amateur programmers <laughs> they're our favorite it's kendall and casey it's 93 wibc it's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. Number 317-684-8444. If you'd like to contribute to voicemails with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, it is 1032. And we were talking earlier about Alejandro Mayorkas. He, it was uh, the House voted to impeach him last night, and now it'll get kicked up to the Senate. But, uh, Rob, you were arguing that uh, he has not committed any high crimes or treason, so maybe this vote should not have happened. Yeah, high, high crime or misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. They did not uh, 
that I saw make the case for that. They certainly made the case that he sucks at uh, operating the border. They certainly made the case that he's a complete buffoon. They certainly made the case that he is not invested at all at keeping illegal immigrants out of the country. But, hey, I, I was a guy that was taught when you were a kid that the, the Constitution meant what it said. And uh, apparently our, our representatives feel differently about that. Well, somebody wanted to call and they have uh, something that they think may be an aspect of high crimes aspect of high crimes and misdemeanors, uh, one could think of it as a crime in that he indirectly asked the border guards to stand down, let him in. Well, you could indirectly accuse him of thousands of people that have died from the fentanyl that pours in through the country and it's a stretch, but it's all a stretch <laughs> in that he's partially responsible for thousands of deaths. That's a big time felony. Of course, it is, but that's not the case that they made. They didn't make any of these. They didn't make any case. They're just like, he stinks at operating the border. He's got to he's got to go. I, that's, I, again, I, I get that it. nothing means anything anymore. It's like, whose line is it anyway? The words are, the game's made up, the rules don't matter, and we're just impeaching people left and right mm-hmm. without any regard for how serious impeachment actually is, and that's the new world. The new world we live in, and the reality of this is now, Casey, yeah. if you have a president where the other party controls the House of Representatives, there's a strong chance that person's going to be impeached. There's also a strong chance that nothing will get done because they'll just spend all of their time fighting. That's correct. All right, here's somebody who wanted to call and they have an idea about uh, a new segment for the show. Hello, lady and gentlemen. I'd like to start a new contest called What is the Roughest Road in Marion County? Um, And I would like to nominate... Uh, Minnesota, West Minnesota Street between Holt Road and Lynnhurst, actually all the way to High School Road. Uh, you feel like you're driving on the moon. And uh, second thought, Rob, you've never seen anything now that uh, Purdue has whipped all over IU. Uh, Casey, I'm a Boilermaker parent too, so boiler up. Go Boilers. Um, okay, so if that's the segment, I've got a nomination. Uh-huh. It is uh, West Washington between yes. Tibbs and the river. <laughs> Way to tell people where you live, Casey. Very well done. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, hey, this will give me an opportunity to, yeah, that guy's right. I use a complete dumpster fire, and uh, they don't appear to have any answers to anything. But that seems to kind of be the way it's been at IU for uh what basically almost a decade now where it's just like we just accept losing and you know it is what it is mm-hmm. uh they should spend some time doing the three-point practice yes they absolutely should uh okay so we had jamie rittenauer on the show and she is running for governor in indiana and somebody wanted to call and comment about uh the interview and her uh, i just want to call and leave a quick message about Jamie Rittenauer. Really impressed with her the first time you guys had her on. I was extremely impressed last time. Um, you know, full disclosure, I was a Don Rainwater voter last go-around. But in the primary, I'm going to vote Jamie Rittenauer for Republican because for once in my adult life, I want to have to choose between the better of two goods. I would love to have the agonizing decision of choosing Don Rainwater, who aligns with my values, or Jamie Rittenauer, who aligns with my values. And I would love to see Indiana voters in one foul swoop take all those two-faced rhino drones 
running for governor and push him right off the table. And because I would just, no matter who wins, Rainwater or Rittenauer, it's, it's going to be a spear in the heart of all those two-faced losers in the state house. Well, look, they both got the same problem, which is neither one of them can raise any money. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Rainwater voter, if you're a Republican who who left the Republican Party to vote for Rainwater in 2020, Jamie Rittenauer is probably going to be your candidate. She's she's the closest thing to Rainwater on the Republican side. But it's look, she's not going to raise the money, so it's really going to come down to you know, are you willing to get out there? And when I say raise the money, she may raise some money, but she's not going to raise anything like Chambers or Doden or those guys are raising. So it's really going to come down to, are you willing to go out and knock on doors? Are you willing to contact her campaign? Are you willing to have the water cooler conversations? Because that's that's the only way that she's going to have any chance because she's just not going to raise the money. Okay, we got another phone call. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking about property taxes on the show. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. The radio broadcasters do, but nobody else seems to. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this person wanted to call and actually ask a question. Hey, guys, listening to the show today, and this is Jeff in Claremont. Uh, as you know, I used to be on the council here, and you brought up a good point, Rob, that I don't think I'd heard anybody bring up. You made the point of <clears throat> these guys, if they voted to do away with property tax, would have to go and face these small towns and tell them how they're going to fund them. And <clears throat> that, that's a point that I don't think anybody's made. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Um, as you know, since you were on a council, um, property taxes where most towns get their funding. Now, roads are gas tax and BMV. So road tax is out of that, not out of property tax, but uh, school districts and every, you know, places like that um, get their funding from property tax. But what about little towns like Claremont or Eminence or um, Wingate? Uh, you know, if you do away with property tax 100%, where's their funding come from? Um because we're not a state that's been in a situation where we don't have property tax, and uh, we'd have to go look at other states and see how they do it. Um, I I would think there's still going to be some kind of a local property tax, or do we all go to Kadget? I mean, do we all go to a, a county adjusted income all right. tax? Okay, all right. Let me let me uh, uh, let me. I don't know. Let me answer this. Okay, so first of all, I don't think anybody is. Per- well, some people may be proposing, but I don't think anybody realistically thinks they're going to end property taxes right now. I think the conversation is that the intent of the tax caps have been totally bastardized the past 15 years. And the intent of the tax cap was your home is not the local government's primary school corporation's personal piggy bank. And you, you can look at, let's just take the assessments out of the thing for now. The referendum clause was put in there for a very specific reason, and the state lawmakers made an egregious mistake when they did this because they should have anticipated how um, abusive so many of these school corporations are with people's finances and would totally misuse the intent of the referendum, which was, hey, if there is some sort of unforeseen emergency that you simply cannot do through the tax caps, then you have the ability Mm -hmm. to go to the voters and ask for this. 
But what has happened is everything that they want that they can't get under the cap. They do a referendum. For. Right. Because they've recognized and, and you know, you've got schools doing the thing like they did in Brownsburg where they spend $60,000 of public money on a consultant and they can rig the system in favor of the entity. If the game's totally rigged, they can use public money to push a result. And unless you've got a me, your thing's probably going to pass. And so that that's the first part of this. The referendum thing should totally go away. They should absolutely be done with that. We're done with that. We have tax caps. If you can't live within your means, sorry, get somebody else to run the New joint. New swimming pool's not an emergency. Absolutely not. New the track's not an emergency. Sink science labs, yeah. teacher pay, none of that is an emergency, which was very clear if you go back to 2008. The intent of the referendum was for things that simply could not be anticipated or done inside the cap. So the second part of this is, so the first thing, number one, needs to happen is get rid of that. That needs to just go away. Second part of this is this assessment stuff is ridiculous. It's actually a terrible way to budget if you're a school corporation or a town or anything else because you're at the whim of a county assessor. An unelected, the county assessor is elected, but they're not an elected fiscal agent. They're not handling money. And yet they get to decide whether taxes go up or down. That's stupid. There's no reason for that. You got to come up with a, a, a system that makes sense and I, I'm willing to hear what that is. The problem is the, the legislators aren't having any sort of this conversation. I mean, they had a hearing on this the other day, and these local government agencies just show up in mass. Mm -hmm. Anytime you propose telling to them, you guys got to get your house in order because you're totally out of control. There's construction going on on that little hellhole I live on the west side with the school like it's going out of style. I mean, they're buying homes. Remember when we went through this? Mm -hmm. They're privately, they've got so much money, they're quietly buying homes with the intent to just tear them down. This, this is a joke. This idea that schools are hurting for money. I challenge anyone to go to Carmel High School right. and tell me they're hurting for money. Right. I challenge anyone to go to Brownsburg High School and look at the construction going on there. Tell me they're hurting for money. Westfield, Greenwood, any of these places. It is a joke. It is a lack of intentional fortitude by the lawmakers to solve this issue. That's what it is. Period. End of story. So whether the answer is we get rid of re referendums and then we say, hey, you pay 1% of the assessed value from when you buy the home until you sell the home. And, and, and then there's some sort of, you know, gap funding in there once you sell it. Whether we say, you know, you pay 1% when you actually sell the home it's, itself, 1% of the total. I'm open to hearing all of that, but you're not hearing any of it right now. You're hearing absolutely nothing. You said it's a lack of intestinal fortitude. Is that because the school districts are able to uh, promote an emotional plea because it's about children? Yeah, they use kids as human shields. And and so it's two, it's two parts. One, there's a lot of stupid and apathetic people who will believe whatever they say is going to happen, whatever these school systems say is going to happen. Now, keep in mind, though, let's use Brownsburg as an example. The same people who, who are telling you this stuff are the same people who oversaw a school system where a kid was forced to eat vomit. Okay? That's how much they actually care about. And now these attorneys tell us they're fighting them at every turn to get information yeah. on the kid being forced to eat vomit. That's how much they actually care about the kids. These people many times care about themselves. That's it. But because people will, well, it's the school system. They would never lie to me. They would never deceive me. They would never, you know, they want, they, they're like the X-Files. They're like Fox Mulder. I want to believe. That's, it's just completely, completely ridiculous. And then you have these lawmakers 
who fear the local governments because they will definitely show up and vote because they're definitely involved more than they fear you because they don't think you'll actually show up and vote. They're going to side with them every single time. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and Hammer is going to join us next. Good morning, 11 minutes in front of 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and Jason Hammer in the studio. Good morning. Good morning and happy Valentine's Day to oh, everybody. Oh, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, I don't Thank care. Thank you. Uh, oh. We'll talk about that here in just a moment because we're dealing with back-to-back days mm-hmm. where it's not an official holiday, but people celebrate. Yeah. So yesterday we were in here talking about Fat Tuesday yes. and Mardi Gras, and mm-hmm. today is a combination of Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. So let's go back to yesterday here. Okay. On our program yesterday, we were celebrating Fat Tuesday, and we had great moments in fat history. And then <laughs> that kind of spiraled into a celebration of all things and all people fat. A.I. Donald Trump joined our program yesterday to share his thoughts. In honor of Fat Tuesday, I'd like to give some shout-outs to some of the fattest people I know, like Rosie O'Donnell. That fat pig makes me sick. Can you imagine the hell that her toilet seat sees on a daily basis? I hear that are making a sequel to Oppenheimer, but this one will be about Rosie just letting taco farts. I'd also like to wish a happy Fat Tuesday to Chris Christie. He's a two-time failed presidential candidate, but the defending champion of the all-you-can-eat buffet at Golden Corral. Lastly, happy Fat Tuesday to those fat bastards at the Hammer and Nigel show in Indianapolis. Hammer's ass has gotten so big over the last year, it now requires a tax code. And how can someone lose that much weight and still be fat? As for Nigel, look at that double chin. Nigel's second chin is what the new Twister movie should be viewed on. Nigel may be fat, but he makes up for it by also being a lazy, red-faced alcoholic. Happy Fat Tuesday, everyone. So we celebrated Fat Tuesday yesterday. Very nice, very nice. Now you, uh, you have a theory which I we subscribe to in our house as well that Valentine's Day is a total scam and a ripoff. Yes, you should love your partner every day. You shouldn't have a specific day where you've really got to love that person even more. Mm -hmm. It's a total scam. It's a hallmark holiday, and this is coming from somebody that's been married. 20 years. Yeah. At least 10 of those happily. <laughs> so I feel like I kind of know what I'm talking about. You here. strike me as someone who expects your husband to go all out for you on Valentine's Day and quietly. No. Like, like you won't say it publicly, but if he doesn't, you're going to be very angry. <laughs> it's very passive aggressive, isn't it? No, I don't expect anything. You don't want anything? You know what? I just, I, no, I don't want anything. I mean, you know, is I don't it like, expect you, is it. Is it like a woman thing where I don't want anything? Or is it like you actually don't want anything? It's where it's like, fine, fine. No, I actually don't want anything. Thing. I texted him and said, "Hey, you want to go to lunch?" Oh, so and and he said, "Yeah, where do you want to go?" I wrote my wife a and nice note it. on uh, white copy paper and left mm-hmm. it on the counter for her when I left. And what did it say? This house better be clean when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> Sincerely, RK. <laughs> Uh, no, I just uh, said you're wonderful and amazing, and I uh, appreciate all you do for me and for our family, and I was 
remembering our first Valentine's Day together. And I said, you made me a steak at your place. And now I get nothing. So you better really step up your game this she year. She gave you a shorty. <laughs> she dropped out a shorty for you. I think that's enough. Yeah, but the first Valentine's Day, she made me a steak. Like mm-hmm. she was, I mean, she just really went all out. And I mean, you know. She's had time to get you to know you since then. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You're lucky if you get a Pop-Tart this year, kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, we're the kind of people that whenever there's a birthday or an mm-hmm. anniversary or whatever Valentine's Day falls under, we'll celebrate it later. Yeah. Like, we'll go on a trip some other time and yeah. do it later. I, I used to celebrate with my daughter. Like, I would make, you know. Well, the like, kids are different. Like, yeah. the panca- like, the pancakes would be in the shape of a heart or everything for dinner would be red. Yeah. But it was for her. I would get her a card. We got the kids some things. And, like, we do, like, the heart-shaped pizza so like Papa Murphy's mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get them some food, get them some swag bags or something. But as for us, like, yeah. eh. Same thing on St. Patrick's Day. Like everything would be green or, you know, it was it was more like a thing to get her excited about the day. Uh, Yeah, these holidays that aren't really holidays. Yeah. I mean, they're just, I mean, they all are pretty much. I mean, like at some point, someone bastardized Easter, mm-hmm. right? I mean, at some point. It became not about the resurrection. It became about eggs and candy. Mm-hmm. Somehow, Jesus rising from the dead <laughs> turned into an Easter bunny. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're some sort of crappy parrot. If you don't, by society standards, if you don't placate your kid on that. Yeah, right. There's no, there's none of these holidays are about, I mean, there's some that should be about the holiday itself, the act itself, the birth of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. But even Christmas, yeah. like, you know, celebrating the birth of Christ has now turned into how many blow up inflatable reindeer can I get in my yard? Yeah, I had to have this conversation with my mother because she's a gift giver. Mm-hmm. And I told her for Olivia, I said, we don't, we don't do that on these days. We want her to know that it's about the, the, in the case of Christmas or Easter, the act it's, itself. And so I've had to have many conversations about that with my mother because you're right. Tell it's her to, to ease off. It's totally been corrupted by the corporations. What do you have coming up this afternoon? Well, since you guys ripped off Tony Kennett on our day on Wednesday, I'm thinking, about calling, I'm thinking about calling Abdul, Micah Beckwith, uh, <laughs> maybe Micah Beckwith's wife will come wait, on with Maybe hey, Jim Merritt can come on with on us. Hang on You thieving bastards. Isn't it on him? Isn't it on him to say I'm coming on Hammer and Nigel later today? Yeah, but how many times have I told you guys, hey, Wednesday's our day with Tony Kennett. Coming up at the 2 o'clock hour, Tony Kennett will join us. Both of you can bite me. <laughs> That's your Valentine's Day present. There it it's is. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Oh,